Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to invite you to our private Facebook group. All you got to do is head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders in your search bar. We have a powerful community over there of people who are going against the grain and making an impact in this world in their own unique way. We would love to have you a part. Again, that is unconventional leaders over on Facebook. People wanted to know that by doing the right thing by people, you were more likely to be successful not less likely. And the, you know, the, the messages that the world gives us when it comes to money, when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to business, they're not mixed messages. They're negative messages. Yep. I've always felt immense fear. I was born with several causes. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind. But I teach people how to summit. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. That comes from today's guest, Bob Berg. And if this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host. One of the coolest things about this show is I get to connect with the most amazing people. And guys, I literally just finished reading The Go-Giver a little over a month ago and then got to connect with one of its authors, Bob Berg. If you have not read The Go-Giver, I just need you to head over to Amazon right now, order the book. It is fantastic. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker, the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann itself, has sold over 950,000 copies and has been translated into 28 languages. He is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many many people they serve. Listen, everybody who listens to this show is super heart-centered. They want to make an impact in this world, and that's fantastic. But sometimes that means we have a little bit of difficulty putting ourselves out there asking and selling. What I love about this conversation is Bob connects the two, that selling, putting ourselves out there, marketing, offering our services is generosity. And today he shares with us why he believes sales is a form of leadership. Connect with him at thegogiver.com. That is linked in the show notes. And if you have a friend, maybe you have talked recently about this hesitancy to sell and go for the ass, please take a screenshot of this episode. Share it with them. I know Bob's story is going to impact them. So thank you for sharing this out. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and get into this. Generously selling with the Bob Berg. Hey, my friends, welcome to today's episode. I'm so honored to connect with the Bob Burke, who is the author of many books. Um, one of that I just finished about a little over a month ago, The Go-Giver. And what a short, powerful read with so many implications in it and digging into the rest of your work. I was just, it's a relief to hear this kind of message being taught because I know our audience, we're all very impact focused, driven by service and want to make a real difference in this world. And I know that's something you're passionate about talking about is, is influence, what real influence looks like. And reading books like this has just been like, 
you know what? Being a decent human pays off. <laughs> Doing the right thing pays off. And I just thank you so much for writing this. Thank you for joining us today and giving us some of your very precious time. Thank you, Heather. It's just, it's an honor to be with you. I love the work you're doing and it's just uh, so much fun to be with you today. All right, let's dig into this. I was curious about uh, just what brought you into the space of sales and marketing and influence and just this whole entrepreneurial world? What, what brought you to it? Well, I started as a broadcaster first in radio and then television. I was the late night news guy for a very, very small ABC affiliate in uh, the Midwest in the United States. I wasn't very good at it, though. Uh, and so I found myself soon graduating into sales. <laughs> I like to say graduated into it. And uh, because it turned out for me to be a, a real step up, the the challenge was, Heather, that when I first started, I knew nothing about sales, not on a formal level. So I thought it was just calling people, try to talk to people and blah, 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 blah about your product or service and hope they buy. I mean, that was, you know, and the training where I first started, it was, we'll say negligible. <laughs> so I was pretty much on my own. And of course, doing what I was doing, I, I floundered, uh, you know, for the first few months. I had what, what the late Jim Rohn, and I don't know if you remember Jim, he was one of the real great teachers and speakers and business builders. I have his picture on my wall over here. He uh, about him. Yeah. Well, Jim had a great, sta a great statement. He said, uh, you know, it's one thing to have the motivation, but you've also got to have the information. Right. <laughs> And both are important. You know, if you have the information and not the motivation, well, you're also not going to do anything. You'll just be alerted not do anything, you know. But so it, both are important. I had the motivation. I didn't have the information. And this is about 40 years ago now. And so I remember one day walking into a, a bookstore and there was a, a, a business section, but there was a sales section. Heather, I had no idea there was a sales section. I mean, there are books on how to sell. We take it for granted these days that all that information's out there. I didn't know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. So I got these two books. One was by Tom Hopkins. One was by Zig Ziglar, two of the legends of the day. And I, I took it home. And after work, I would be up until the wee hours of the morning studying and internalizing and practicing. And I mean... Within about three weeks, my sales began to go through the roof. Now, there really wasn't a big difference in me three weeks earlier and three weeks later, other than I now had some information that I needed. Okay. I had the, I had a methodology that I could use to help me do what I needed to do. You know, really, I had a system. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I personally, because uh, I'm always defining things, right? I, it's this really annoying habit I have. And I define a system simply as the process of predictably achieving a goal based mm -hmm. on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. The key is predictability. If it's mm -hmm. been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, then you know all you need to do is A and continue to do A and continue to do A, and eventually you'll get the, the, the desired results of, of mm -hmm. B. So that was very encouraging. Uh, but I also got to learn that in sales, it was a lot about personal development. It wasn't just the how-to, as important as that is, but it was about reading and, and listening to all these great things that built you from the inside and help you. So I, that just became my life. I just loved it. And eventually worked my way up to sales manager of another company and started teaching what was working for me. And eventually uh, it became a, uh, a business. And, you know, writing became part of positioning myself as a speaker. And eventually, years later, I teamed up with John David Mann to uh, write The Go-Giver. 
and you know, then it, it kind of even took it to another uh, level. Yeah. So what, what was working for you? What switched? I think a big difference for me, it was really a turning point. You know, when I'd been in sales for a couple of years, and again, I, I was doing pretty well because I learned how to do it. And I, and, and I was building myself and, and things were going well. But at a certain point, I got into a real slump. I was now with another company. Okay. I was selling a, a high-end product and uh, I, was, I was in a real bad sales slump. And anyone who's been in a sales slump knows it is not fun. And you start doubting yourself and you start... And, but, and I didn't know what the reason was. There, there happened to be a very big issue. That issue was me, okay? Mm -hmm. But I wasn't seeing it. My focus was not where it needed to be. And I remember one day mm -hmm. coming back from a non-selling appointment. Now, it was not a non-selling appointment by design. It was supposed to be a selling uh, appointment. Right. But my own inability is what made it so this person did not end up buying. Now, it would have been great for that person to buy because that person really would have benefited. So not only did that person, because of my own ineptitude, not only did that person not get to have the benefits of that product or service, I didn't obviously make the commission for selling it either. So it was a lose-lose instead of a win-win. Mm -hmm. So I come back to the office and I'm in the, the uh, conference room and uh, I must have had a really disgusted look on my face. And there was a guy who came in. He was a much older guy. He was not even in the sales department, by the way. I think he was in the engineering department and he retired soon after. I really didn't know him very well. He was a nice guy, but he was one of these people. And, I, and I'm sure you've met these kind who they don't say much, but when they do say something, it's always profound, right? Yeah. And yeah. he said to me, Berg, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, can I, can I give you some advice? So see, I think he saw me. Remember Joe in The Go-Giver who, you know, I think he saw me kind of like Joe, right? The guy who had a lot of potential, had a lot on the ball, worked hard, but was just not, was too focused on himself and too focused, right? And, and he said to me, he said, can I give you some advice? I said, absolutely, please do. He said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. Wow. And wow. that was my epiphany. That's where I first began to realize great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Mm -hmm. Great salesmanship is never about the product or service, as important as that is. Great salesmanship is about the other person. It's how that other person's life will be touched in a positive way through using your product or service and the additional value that you bring to the table. I love that. Uh, Seth Godin, you know, he talks about how marketing is in its root empathy. We just empathize more. And so I was wondering kind of like when you're presented with this notion of giving and switching some of those behavioral patterns in your mindset and all of that, how did you start to like foster empathy and how do you advise people now to start practicing uh, servanthood from, you know, because sometimes we have to, we know that, but switching our patterns and our behaviors to start seeing that, uh, where do you start? Well, let's start by really understanding the premise of, of what we mean when we say go-giver. 
Okay. Mm. The premise itself, Heather, is, is simply that shifting your focus, and this is the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way and more fulfilling way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well, but not for some woo-woo fancy reason. No, it actually makes very logical, rational sense. When you're that person who can move from thinking about yourself <laughs> to, to thinking about others, to empathizing with the issues another person has, to looking for how you can serve them, help them make their life better, solve their problem, do it right. Mm -hmm. People feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They're much more likely to want to be in a relationship with you. You know, and, and, and let's say we take this in a, a, a sales or entrepreneurial, not, and not that everyone necessarily is entrepreneurs watching this, although e even with them. If they're working within another company, they need to be intrapreneurial, right? They need to still be focused on providing value to them. So I, you know, I often say when I speak at a sales conference, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. And by the way, if you're working as an employee somewhere, they're not going to hire you or keep you because you have a mortgage payment to make. People are going to do business with you. They're going to buy from you. They're going to keep you employed and advance you because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's the only reason they should do business with you or from me or from, from with, with anyone else. Okay. Here's the good news. The person who understands this, the person who understands this, that's the person who creates the environment where that knowing, that liking, that trusting occurs. This is mm -hmm. why David Ben and I say that money is simply an echo of value. Yeah. Right? It's, it's an echo of that. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the focus must be on that other person with empathy, with teaching, with caring, with solving problems, with right? And the money we receive is simply the, a very natural result of the value we give. Right. What, what do you think it is about this topic that has resonated so much with people? This book has been so successful. Uh, I posted about it on LinkedIn and it was like, boom, all these people like, I love this book. I love this book. I love this book. And I was curious. I, I wonder, you know, is it, is it because it was in a story parable and this is the way you guys teach? Is that, is that what you think it is? Or is it the topic? What is it that people resonate so much about this with this series? I think, Heather, and that's such a great question, I think there are a couple of reasons. One, the fact that it's in a parable, a story, yeah. helps. Because as you know, you know, the human heart and mind is wired to learn and accept yeah. through stories. Mm -hmm. okay, all my other books have been how-to books, mm -hmm. which have sold well, but nothing like The Go-Giver has. Right. Um, so first, yes, story form. Secondly, the lead writer, my co-author, John David Mann, is a magnificent writer. Okay, I'm a how-to guy, and I think you can probably tell just from our brief conversation. I'm step one, step two, step three, system, right? John is a brilliant storyteller, so that certainly helped. I could never have done, you know, with this story what, what John has done. And then third, I think people wanted to know that by doing the right thing by people, you were more likely to be successful 
not less likely. And the, you know, the, the messages that the world gives us when it comes to money, when it comes to prosperity, when it comes to business, they're not mixed messages. They're negative messages. Yep. You know? and, and how much is that, you know, the business person's evil and, oh, people have money or dishonest. Or that. No, it's a big world. There are lots of people. So there, of course, but no, I mean, you know, especially in the mainly free market-based economy. And when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else, okay? They do so on their own volition. The more free market a society is, the more that in order to earn a lot of money, you've got to please others because they're not buying because you want them to. (laughs) So those focus on being immensely valuable to the marketplace who operate from a heart focus, who really care and want, these are the people who are sustainably successful. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, one of the common things I hear from our audience a lot is like I mentioned to you before we hit record, very impact focused, heart centered leaders who listen to this. They want to make a difference in this world. So sometimes the kind of opposite happens where you, you want to give and serve and you almost have like guilt in going for the ask and understanding, you know, the balance there of, of, of giving and also to making sales and pushing your business forward. Uh, can you speak to that at all about just the balance between giving and also asking? Stephen, well, here's the thing. And remember, law number five is the law of receptivity. Right. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving because all the giving, and when I, again, when I say giving, giving of value, okay? All the giving in the world is wonderful, but if you refuse to receive, all you're doing is you're shutting down the flow. Every giving can happen only because it's also on some level a receiving. Every receiving can happen only because on some level it's a a giving. Again, we get these horrible messages of lack from the world around us, but here's the thing, Heather, giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. It's like breathing out and breathing in. You can't do one without the other and and thrive, never mind survive. Mm. We breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. But focus on the giving, right? You've got, that's how life works. That's how it works. And successful people deal in truth. So we understand you've got to give value, okay? And allow the receiving to take place. Yeah. What, what about boundaries? Where do boundaries come in with this as being a go-giver and someone who's constantly serving and leading uh, through, through giving? Where do boundaries come in? Sure. That's such a wonderful question because, you know, you hear the title go-giver and you think, oh, first, just giving yourself away. No, that's not what it is at all. First, in terms of, uh, you know, on the, uh, the price continuum, typically go-givers are at the higher end. Because a go-giver is selling on value, not price, right? If you sell on low price, you sell on price, you're a commodity. When you sell on high value, now you are a resource, okay? So that's the first part. Secondly, you know, I think, well, does being a go-giver mean you're taking advantage of? You just get absolutely not. Uh, There is nothing about being a go-giver that should ever be confused with being a doormat with being a martyr, or with being self-sacrificial in any way. Remember, being a go-giver simply means you understand that focusing on providing value for others is the, that doesn't mean you allow yourself to be taken advantage of. Now, if someone 
uh, feel, oh, but I'm always giving, but I'm being taken advantage of. Well, they might be a giver. They're not what we would call a go-giver because they, but, but here's the other thing. If, if you find yourself, not you, but it just mm-hmm. anyone, if one finds themselves constant. Now, by the way, you know, in life, we all get taken advantage of sometime. I mean, the only way to not is to not ever trust anyone. So I'm not talking about that. Things happen. Okay. We learn from them and we don't live. But if someone finds himself as a pattern, okay, being constantly taken advantage of, it's not because they're a nice person. It's not because they're a giver. It's because they're doing things in a certain way that creates the environment for their being taken advantage of. There you go. There you go. We could sit there for a minute. That's a whole episode right there. I wanted to ask you their time. I know you also write about the topic of influence since this is a leadership show for millennials. um, You know, influence is a really important topic. And I would love just to hear your perception on what it actually means to, you know, we we throw on influencer this word around, like whatever that means because you have a ton of followers. Uh, But what is real real influence? What does that mean? Yeah, the the word itself now is taken on all these these different right so uh so yeah let's define our terms like we like we like to do uh so we can look at it uh, um both on a, a a shallow and then a, a bit deeper way so let's first just look at the definition on a very um uh surface level okay we can define influence as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. Uh, by definition, that's influence. Now, that's its definition. However, that's not its substance or its essence, okay? Mm-hmm. The essence of influence is pull. Pull as opposed to push, as in the old question, how far can you push a mm-hmm. rope? And the answer is not very, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't push, right? They don't push their ideas on others. They don't push their will on others. They're not push-y, okay? So the opposite of push, right, is pull. It's an attraction. Great influence is an attraction. Great leaders, great influencers attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. So the mm. question becomes, well, how do they do that, right? Mm. Well, I believe the great influencers, what we call the genuine influencers, they do this through understanding on a, a not just an intellectual, but really on a heart level, what uh, Dale Carnegie, the, the author of the classic How to Win Friends and Influence People, what he said, wrote in his book, one sentence, I thought this was the, I thought this one sentence was the underlying premise of his entire book. It's where Mr. Carnegie wrote, Ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So the genuine influencer understands this. And so they ask themselves questions to make sure they're focused in the right direction. They ask questions like, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals? How does it align with their wants, with their needs, with their desires? How does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? What problems am I helping them to solve? How am I making their life better? Now, when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, uh, intelligently, genuinely, uh, 
authentically, right? Not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment Mm. as opposed to trying to depend on some type of compliance. One of my great mentors, Dandi Skumachi, she has a a wonderful sense. She's a great uh, leadership speaker and uh, practitioner and mentor to so many. What she says is, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to influence, compliance will never take you where commitment can go. That's good. What's one thing you wish you would have started sooner in your leadership journey, your influence journey, your giving journey, your sales journey? What's something you wish you would have just started sooner that you started it? And you're like, oh, this is so good. I wish I would have done this sooner. Oh, it would be just learning um, more things that I, I didn't know. For for example, I didn't really start my leadership journey probably till I was in my mid-30s. I mean, I was all about sales. And, and of course, sales is a form of leadership, but that's not how I looked at it. So mm-hmm. uh, so I really wasn't a good leader. I was a good producer, but I was not a good, a good leader. Uh, and then I started, you know, really studying it and hopefully I became a lot better. But, you know, I just love reading about leadership now, and listening to leaders and and uh, delineating between what's effective and what's not. What what would you tell a whole bunch of 30-year-old leaders right now who are into personal development? We read books, you know, we meditate, we do the personal development stuff, you know, we have our routine, we drink our green smoothies, we do the stuff, but what's kind of just the next level for us, something that you wish we understood? Uh, You know, I think about, I think it's really, when, when you think about it, all about asking how you can best touch the lives of others who are receptive to that happening, if, if mm. that makes sense. Because whatever you do, wherever uh, you're going to go, however you're going to succeed, uh, it's not going to be alone. It's going to be because you have developed what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors, okay? Yeah. And you know, in order for people to want to be your ambassador, you're going to have to be their ambassador. You get to be their ambassador. But part of that is helping them achieve what they want to achieve. Mm, I love that. You, you've written several books. I was wondering which one do you think is like your favorite? If you were to say, this is the one I would want to leave behind. This is oh, I, I know what that one is. Uh, it's called Adversaries into Allies. Uh, it's a how-to book. And it's basically, people have called it the how to win friends and influence people for the modern day. Actually, I think it was my mom who said that, but no, I did. That's, <laughs> you know, that is really, that is really uh, the book I was meant to write. And it's a, you know, it's a how-to book and it's really on people's skills is really what it's, what it's about. Now, it's funny, the, the third parable in John David Mann's and my series, The Go-Giver Influencer, a lot of it is based on that, that book, but, but Adversaries into Allies uh, is really the book I was meant to write. And uh, it's the one I'm most proud of. What are a couple of your favorite key points from that? Well, one is communicating with tact and empathy. Uh, I believe empathy is the most important people skill it's also the most important life skill. I think when you combine it with tact, I call them the, you know, the two twins, tact and empathy. Tact, my, my dad always defined tact as the language of strength, right? Tact is a way of being able to communicate an idea to someone that they ordinarily would not have been open to, but doing so in such a way that rather than being defensive toward you and resistant to your idea, they are in fact open to you and more accepting of your Mm. idea. Mm. Empathy, which by definition is the identification with or vicarious experiencing, excuse me, of another person's 
feelings, well, sounds like a fancy way of saying step into the other person's shoes. And it would be, except for the fact that most of us have different sized feet. So while literally we can't step into their shoes, figuratively, we can't step into their head, their mind, or their heart because we're not them. And we all come from our own belief systems, which goes back to one of the other points in that book, beware the cloud or understanding the clash of belief systems. It's thinking we know what the other person's thinking because we all see the world from our own viewpoint, but we feel, we think that our basic viewpoint is the other person's viewpoint. That's why so many arguments take place without people really even understanding the premise behind the arguments. But empathy, here's the, the neat thing about this. We can't necessarily know what that other person feels. Sometimes we can, but often we can't, right? But here's what we can understand. We can understand they're feeling something and that this something is distressful to them. And we can communicate through what we say, how we say it, or just how we show up, we can communicate that we're there for them and that we can help them. We're there to help them work through it. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I want to ask you one final question I ask all my guests. Uh, but yep. before that, I just want to thank you so much for not only your work. I'm new to it. Like I said, I just started reading your books uh, about a month ago. Uh, but <laughs> every interaction I've had with you, even your assistant, on LinkedIn, the way you comment and interact with people, you really live what you teach. And that's so refreshing. Um, and it's encouraging for us as young leaders to know that what you, what you said, doing the right thing, being a decent human does pay off and that we can bet on that. So thank you for being an example to us writing these incredible books. Where can people connect with you online and what's the best way to, uh, order some of this goodness. Best way to connect with me online is just to go to Berg and that's B-U-R-G dot com. And they can scroll down to where they can uh, get chapter one of any of my books to see if they like them. They can click through to Amazon if they want. Uh, we also have a series on my blog, which if they scroll down, they'll see it's called Influence and Success Insights. And we're doing right now a series on people skills. And a lot of that is from that 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 book. So there's a lot of goodies there that they can check out if they like. And uh, just a Berg.com. Wonderful. All that will be linked in the show notes. Very last question. Um, I love this story at the very beginning of this young man who was in broadcasting radio and just wasn't working out for him. And he got nominated to go into sales, had no idea what his life was going to turn out as. I'm sure you had just no clue you're going to end up being an author and speak to all these companies, influence so many people. I was just wondering if you were to go back in time and sit with that young man for a moment and tell him one thing that you understand now that you did not understand back then, what would that be? I would, that actually is pretty easy for me, okay? And I, and I know it's difficult for a lot of people, but with me, it's pretty easy because I would go back to the, let's say, 20-year-old version of me or even 22 or 23-year-old version of me, and I would say, young Bob Berg, shut up and listen because you don't know half of what you think you know and the rest of what you're sure you know isn't true. So stop thinking you understand it all. You don't. Listen. And I would have then hopefully taken that advice and started listening and realizing, starting knowing what I didn't know <laughs> a lot younger than, than what I did. 
Big thank you to Bob for coming on today's episode. Again, check him out at thegogiver.com. That is linked in the show notes. And hey, before you go, if you are not a part of our text message community, all you have to do is text 501-214-4307. I send you a couple of fun texts during the week just to encourage you in your unconventional journey. Again, that is 501-214-4307. All right, y'all, I will see you in our next episode.